Hey, this is Nate Clark, and I'm the pastor of Oasis Church in Richmond, Virginia. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. Our hope is that you're encouraged and challenged by God's Word. Here's today's message. Word this morning, I thought it's very appropriate and would be good for us at the beginning of the month. It's February, can you believe it? The beginning of the month of February that we would honor and celebrate Black History Month. The life and the experiences and the struggles and the achievements of black people here in America in the past and still today. And I know as a pastor, I'm so grateful to have African-American brothers and sisters in my life. I'm so grateful to have them as part of our church body. I'm thankful our church looks a little bit like heaven. And, And so we just wanna say we honor you guys and we celebrate you. So can we put our hands together and just honor for Black History Month here at the beginning of the month? Love it. Hey, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to get your Bible out this morning. We're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. It's been known as or taglined before as the love chapter. The love chapter. If you've ever been to a wedding or if you've had a wedding, you've probably heard this one before. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. I'm going to start in verse number 4. Are you ready for God's word today? I love hearing those pages turn. That's what I'm talking about. If, if you're new here to the community, one of my visions and goals is for us to have a church where people bring their Bible to church and get in the word for themselves. Because I hope you listen to me and I hope you believe me, but I also want you to see God's word for yourself. And so we read God's word every time we gather here on Sundays at Oasis. And so let's read God's word. 1 Corinthians 13 verse number 4. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It also protects, it always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Skip down to verse number 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reason like a child. When I became a man, put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. And now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And verse number 13 here we'll finish. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Don't you love God's word this morning? We're beginning a collection of talks that we're calling Proximity. And for the whole month of February, I'm really excited about this. We're talking about all things love, sex, and marriage. Talking about love. Come on, we're talking. <laughs> talking about all things love, sex, and marriage. And uh, I'm excited to see what God does through this series. And I uh, believe He's going to speak to us through His Word today and throughout this whole collection. Father, thank you for your Word. Pray that you would do in these next few moments what I cannot do, and that is change our hearts change our lives. Lord, our hearts hearts are open, our spirits are open to receive what you have for us. Speak to us today. May we leave this place not having just sang a song and heard a talk, but may we leave this place today having heard from you. Pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hey, we are, uh, we're starting a brand new collection this month, as I said, called 
proximity. If we haven't gotten a chance to meet yet, I'm, I'm Nate, and me and my wife Anna have the honor of, of pastoring here. And uh, if this is your very first time, we just want to say welcome home. We're so glad you're here. We hope you feel love. We hope you feel welcome. We hope you uh, f- find some good spiritual community here. Our vision at Oasis is this. It's to help people see Jesus more clearly. And so that's, that's the journey we're all on, and that's what we exist to do as a church, is to help people see Jesus more clearly. And so maybe you're trying to figure the whole Jesus thing out. Maybe you're at different spots in your faith journey. We just want you to know that's our prayer for you, and uh, you have a place here. And so we're so glad that you're here. And I'm, I'm very excited to kick off this collection of talks that we're calling Proximity. We're talking about all things love, sex, and marriage. And uh, today I want to set the table for the remainder of the month and for the remainder of the collection. But even before I do that, there's a few prefaces that I just want to say and, and give um, so that you all know where I'm coming from uh, here, here this month. Uh, this is a very uh, fun collection for me to talk about, and it's a very difficult one as well because I'm very aware of the fact this morning that, that I'm talking to a lot of different people in the room. Very aware that I'm talking to people that are in many stages of life in different relationships, um, and, and we're all in different seasons and facing different things, and so I'm very aware of that. And my goal over the next month is to be able to provide you God's word in such a way that's helpful for you and can equip you to live God's will out in your life in this area. If you're single or you're engaged or you're married or you're divorced or you're some, somewhere in between, regardless of where you are in your relationship status, maybe you're just like how Facebook puts it so beautifully, it's complicated. <laughs> regardless of where you are, my goal is to present you God's word uh, to, to help you in this area. And it's, it's going to be a really fun collection. We're going to laugh. We're going to cry. And uh, well, we'll do this one each year, and I, I firmly believe it's going to be some of our favorites. It's going to be my favorite. I know to talk about. I love it, and uh, tons of people are going to love it, and I'm also very aware that a lot of people are going to hate it because it's not going to be stuff that you hear out in the world, and it's not going to be stuff that Hollywood's talking about or culture is pushing, but I'm, I'm on assignment from God as the pastor of this church to give you God's word in every area of your life. And so my goal over the next month is to do just that. And um, we didn't start this church for me to have friends. I didn't start this church so I could have friends. I mean, that's icing on the cake. I get to have some great friends here. But we started this church to help people. And so as best I can this month, that's exactly what I want to do. And, and for some of you, even like you see in your faces, you're like, bro, they talk about this stuff at church, bro. Because maybe, maybe you didn't know pastors like talked about real stuff, or maybe you came from a church that didn't talk about real stuff. Like you're sitting in there deeply in debt and addicted to pornography, and all they talk about is who the Antichrist is. And I, I don't want to do that. Like I want to be helpful, and I want to give you God's word in every area of your life. And so that's what we're going to do this month. And so uh, parents, if you got kids in here, uh, Oasis Kids is awesome. Uh, you can leverage that. Uh, but I also think it's great for them to be in here, because here's what I know. They're already hearing it out in the world anyway. So uh, hopefully we can give God's context for it, and it's going to be helpful and it's going to be fun. Are you ready? Proximity. So here's, here's what I know in every relationship, not just in love relationships like marriage and that kind of stuff. It's just period when it comes to relationships. Here's what I know. Every single person has two needs, two needs that are just d- down deep inside of them, and it's this, to be fully known. Like, we don't want to have to put on a mask. We want to be fully transparent. We want someone to really know the true us. Who, who am I really? We want to be fully known, and at the same time, we want to be fully loved. 
And those work against each other in our lives. Because here's what we do. We, we, we fear, oh no, if this person really knows me, if they actually know the true me, the deepest, darkest secrets and thoughts in my life, if they actually know me, they won't fully love me. Like if I'm really fully known, I won't be fully loved. But we have both of these desires. And I love Jesus because Jesus fully knows us and fully loves us. I love Jesus, loves us perfectly, knows everything about us and fully loves us in spite. But here's, here's what, we, we all want to be fully known and fully loved. And these clash against each other when we start to get close to one another, when we start to actually get to know each other, when we actually start to get in proximity. Because how many know it's kind of easy to have relationships from a distance? Like we'll just stay shallow. Like you got those shallow friends, maybe it's coworkers and that kind of stuff. And that's, that's fine. There's, there's, role, there's people in our life that have that role. They're just kind of a shallow friend. You don't go that deep with them. But how many know that's kind of, that's kind of safe to have, have friends that you just kind of acquaintances and they don't really know what's going on. But like when you get up close to somebody and there's proximity, how many know it gets a little messy? And culture, culture will lie to us because culture will paint all these pictures of relationships like they aren't in reality at all. Like there's a hashtag, you may have seen it or heard of it all over Instagram and stuff. It's hashtag relationship goals. Have you guys seen this one? Relationship goals. It's like these perfect photograph, like couples, like climbing a mountain in the sunsets, like right behind them, and they're like they're like kissing in the in the in the sunset, all this kind of stuff. And everybody's like relationship goals, goals, you know. And, I remember like the last five years, me and my wife, Anna, we spent a lot of time at youth camps and youth, youth conference and events and that kind of stuff. And shout out to Oasis students down here in the front row. Come on. So we would go to these like youth things and stuff and, you know, everybody's on Instagram and stuff. And so they would like, they would like see our Instagram and like talk on it or like we would just be like hanging around like around the campground and just walk into lunch at campground or something. We would just like hold hands and all the youth, all the youth would be like, oh, goals relationship goals or like we would post like a selfie of us or something or like a beautifully you know perfectly edited photo of us you know like at Christmas time you know uh, Merry Christmas from the perfect Clark family you know one of those things and we would post those and people would people would like comment goals goals my students come goals and it's so funny like when they do that we just look at each other we're like they got no idea (laughs) they got no like they got no idea like the the hard, like, like the decisions we had to make, the mountains we had to climb, like the arguments, the tears, the, you, they got, you got, they're just like, goals, that's what I want. You got no idea, bro. <laughs> this is true in every area of life, too, you know, like, I watch HGTV sometimes, and there's, you know, Property Brothers. I don't know if you've seen that show or not. It's two guys just go and flip houses, and you watch it, and it's like, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll buy this fixer-upper, and the guy just walks in there with, like, a sledgehammer. Wham! And he just hits the sledgehammer, like, once, and the screen turns, and he just flipped the house, and it's gorgeous, and he sold it for a profit of $400,000. they are like, yeah, look at this beautiful home. And I'm sitting at home, I'm like, oh, let's flip a house! And then you, like, actually go to do it, and you, like, can't fix one power outlet you're you're like real life this is hard like that's a lie property brothers is a lie it's tough it's hard like like it's it it's it's not how it appears it's difficult behind the scenes right it's 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 tough there's this uh thing on pinterest where they uh post like these like uh great cookbook things and then it's like expectation in reality has anybody seen that I found a few of them that I thought were kind of funny. Expectation. <laughs> In my kitchen look like this. Some, some of y'all tonight for the Super Bowl, you're like, yeah, go Chiefs, I think, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever that is. 
This is, if we're not careful, we can see relationships like this. You know, oh, relationships. And then, then proximity says, no, 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 it it's, can be tough. Here's another one. <laughs> I'm like, that looks terrible. Looks really bad. And then one more, we've got a demon cupcake. <laughs> like, uh, proximity, proximity. Or we could say reality, right? It's, it's a little bit tougher. Today, what, what I want to do is tackle three lies about love. Because if we're not careful, we'll buy into the culture's view of love or fantasy of love where we'll just Instagram relationship goals and we'll create a fantasy land in our mind and a perfect Disney story, fairy tale ending and this is how love's supposed to be and this is how love's supposed to go. When, when from God's word and from reality we see love and relationships are very different than those things. Here's what I know about every single person in here is we all want a relationship that's thriving and that's healthy. If you're married today, what I know about you is you want your marriage to be blessed. You want your marriage healthy. Every wedding I've done, I've never stood at the altar with a couple and heard them say to each other that, that, that they're hoping after a few years the flame dies out and that things get difficult. And No, no, no. Everyone stands at the altar and wants a marriage that thrives. If you're married, you want your marriage to thrive. If you're not married and you desire to be married one day, you want a marriage that's healthy and thriving and, and that is being blessed by God and God's ways. And I was thinking about this, and uh, I went to Five Below and got this cookbook. They got great cookbooks there for five bucks. It's a steal, by the way. And I uh, was looking through this cookbook, and uh, great, great stuff in here. I was looking... Um, Oh, here we go. Here we go. Frozen salted grapefruit pie bars. Boom. That, that looks good, don't it? If you want this for the Super Bowl tonight, come find me. I got you. I got you. There was another, um, there was another pie in here. I'm going to find it really quick. It looked really good earlier. Might have passed it. Did I pass it already? You guys just hang out. I'm going to find this. Yeah, I passed it. All right, here we go. Oh, there's a kiwi one. That one looks good. All right. All right, maybe, maybe someone on the serve team saw this and ripped it out. I think that's what they did. All right, so how about, let's go with the frozen salted grapefruit pie bars, right? So just, that just looks like a piece of Jesus, don't it? That just looks, that just looks really good. Look at the layers and all this kind of stuff. And, and here's, here, here's what we do. We say, hey, I want that. Give me that. That looks, oh, it looks so good. Can, give me that. Can, can, you, can you give me that? Now, now this, I don't know. It's a lot of words and numbers and different instructions and things and ovens and I don't know. This, nah, no. That. Give me that. I want that. Do, do, you have, do you have that? Nah. Ah, ah, no, no. You know, you know, oh, I ripped it in half. <laughs> that, that, not, no, 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 that, that. How many know you don't get that without that? How many know you don't stumble upon that? That's not an accident. You get that because you followed that. There's ingredients. There's things you need. There's a lack of ingredients. There's some things you don't need. 
And there's also an order as to how to put the ingredients if you want that. And here's what I'm worried about from our culture is we say, give me that, I want that, I want that, can you give me that? But we neglect this. And my goal over the next month is to give us some of this. And we'll talk about that because that's good. But if all we do is focus on that and ignore that, we're never going to get this. And so we want to talk about love, sex, marriage. We want to get this so we can have that. Lies about love. The first one. Are you ready? Are my note takers ready this morning? Lies about love. Number one is this. Love is just a feeling. Love is just, if you're not a millennial in here, you may have heard the song, I got that love and feeling, or lost that love and feeling. Now it's gone, gone, gone. Whoa. And I feel like, whoa. <laughs> most of us in here, um, I would bet, most of us have been in love before. It's probably when you were 12 or 13, started going through puberty a little bit. And, uh, you know, the girl that you had, like, always seen, because she was always in your class, like, now all of a sudden, like, something changed. You, like, she just was different today. You're just like, whoa! Praise Jesus for his creation. Woo! <laughs> and, like, just as a teenager, right, when you start, like, all these, you just got all these feelings and all this kind of stuff, and, and it just consumes your mind and life, doesn't it? Like, like, you're just in class, and you're like, oh, oh man, I'm just thinking about her, and just, she just looks so good between, you know, first and second class, and, and now, now at the next break, I'm going to take the long hallway all the way around to my next class, because I think she might be there, you know, maybe stay at her locker. Just, it, like, consumes your thoughts, consumes your life, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, I just, I just love her. I just, I think I'm in love. I just love her. What's actually happening is your brain is releasing a chemical into itself called dopamine. Anybody heard of this before? This is, this is science. Psychologists, scientists say it's, 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 it's a reaction in your brain. Your brain is releasing dopamine into itself, and you just feel, I'm just so in love. Spirit fingers are just so in love. It's the, kind, it's the kind of season where, like, you got friends around you that can't talk, and they can't talk you into nothing, can't talk you out of nothing, because you're just so in love. You're head over heels. You're so in love. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that stage. Like, you can't avoid it. That's, 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 that's how we're made. But, but here's, here's the thing. Um, professionals say that dopamine in your brain, that physical release, that feeling, that emotion that you're having will last anywhere from six weeks to 18 months. Six weeks to 18 months. In other words, not very long. So, so it, it's a feeling, it feels some kind of way, but not for very long. So if your relationship is built on a feeling, let me just tell you, the inspector's report is already in. Your foundation will cave in. It's going to cave in. There is an expiration date to your feeling. That's why we can't build love on a feeling. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Love is not a feeling. Love is a decision. Love is not a feeling. It's a decision. I'm not neglecting feelings. I'm not saying that you don't have them or if that you have them, you should put them off. I'm just saying your feelings shouldn't drive your life. Feelings are not our number one thing that 
guards what we do. We don't live life by our feelings, we, we decide. Love's not a feeling, love is a, it's a decision. 1 Corinthians, the passage that we read at the very beginning, talks about what love is. Again, this is it's a love chapter. It's the wedding chapter. You've heard it at every wedding. If you're going to a wedding this year, mark my words, you're going to hear it. Every preacher's got to talk about 1 Corinthians 13. Here's what it says, talking about love. It's patient. It's kind. Doesn't envy. Does not boast. Not proud. Doesn't dishonor others. Not self-seeking. Not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. This is really good. Isn't it? This is good stuff. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects and always trusts and always hope and always perseveres. Notice, none of these are emotions. None of these are feelings. All of these are deliberate Acts and decisions. Paul describes love. It's not, it's not an emotion. It's not a, it's not a feeling. In fact, Jesus echoes this as well. And when he's preaching throughout the gospels, because he commands that we love another. You can't command an emotion. You can't command a feeling. You can command an action. You can command a decision. Maybe, maybe Jesus, when he said, love one another, maybe you could say it was a feeling, you know, if he's talking about your significant other or your family or people that are near and dear to you because you've, you've got a tie to them. You're, you would do anything for them. You lay down your life for them. You feel, you feel like loving them. But how about when Jesus said, love your enemies? I don't know if nobody feels like that. But, but he said it, why? Because love is not, it's not a feeling. It's a decision. It's a deliberate act. It's, 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 it's saying I'm, I'm deciding against my emotions and against my feelings and against the circumstance I'm, I'm choosing to love. In the scriptures, there's four different kinds of love. There's four different Greek words for love. Here's, here's the four words. First, we have eros, which is a sexual love. It's, it's where we get the word erotic, okay? This is one of the Greek words for love, eros. The second one is storge. It's family love. It's, it's like you love your siblings. It's like you love your parents, your family. Again, you'd go to bat for them. You'd die for them. It's, it's family love. Philea is brotherly love. That's why the city of Philadelphia is known as the city of brotherly love. It's, it's, it's how you love your peers or your crew. It's people that maybe aren't blood related, but, but, but you say, no, they're family. They're my family. That's my, that's my brother. That's my sister. There's a brotherly love. And the final word for love in the scripture is agape, and it's sacrificial, unconditional love. Sacrificial, unconditional. This is how Jesus loves us, by the way. Jesus loves us in spite of us. Jesus doesn't wait for us to complete a checklist to love us. Jesus didn't wait for us to come running after him to come running after us. Jesus, even when he was in the garden praying before he went to the cross, he didn't feel like going to the cross. That's why he's, he's crying and he's sweating drops of blood, crying out to the Father saying, if there is any other way, let this cut pass from me. What are you saying? He doesn't feel like going to the cross. Love isn't a feeling. Jesus didn't love us with a feeling love. No, he loved us with agape love. So even though he didn't feel like it, he did it. Even though we don't earn it or we couldn't deserve it, he did it. Even on, did you know on your worst day, Jesus loves you just as much as he does on your best day? 
Why? It's, it's agape. It's unconditional. Agape love is a decision. It's an action. I'm, I'm laying myself down. I'm, I'm, I'm counting the cost and I'm making myself less so that you can be greater. It's intentional. It's sacrificial. It's unconditional. Agape love. The lie of culture is love, love is just a feeling. If you don't got the feeling, break it off, man. If you don't got chemistry, if sparks aren't flying, if it ain't Disney World. And we've, we've seen in culture that creates a carousel of relationship to relationship to relationship. Why? Because your feelings got an expiration date. Your feelings have an expiration date. Love is a decision. It's a decision. Number two is this. Here's the second lie about love is that love doesn't take work. Like, if it's true love, like, we just, we good. And this is what, again, this is like every single Disney movie that's like all love. It's like, it's just like fairy tales and it's all good and right off into the sunset. And we, we can get this idea if we're not careful that, that love doesn't take any work. Do you know what it takes to fall in love? It's a really short list. It's one thing on it. You, you want to know what it takes to fall in love? You know what you have to have? A pulse. Do you know what it takes to stay in love? A plan. Sacrifice. Intentionality. Blood, sweat, tears. Difficult conversations. Honesty. Transparency. Hurt. Forgiveness. More forgiveness. More forgiveness. More forgiveness. Dying to yourself. Preferring someone else before you. Takes grace from God. That's what it takes to stay in love. Anybody can fall in love, but it takes a plan and intentionality to stay in love. So here's here's what here's my challenge to you, whether you're single or married or in, anywhere in between. Here's the thing: you've got work to do. I, Nate, has work to do. You've got work to do. Some of y'all are like, you right, Pastor, my spouse does got work to do. Ha <laughs> ha. They got a lot of work to do. Get them to work. <laughs> by the way if this gets awkward at all when we start talking about stuff and you're sitting with them just eyes on me eyes on me we're good eyes on me and if it gets awkward with me and you I'll just look down okay all right eyes on me (laughs) eyes on me no but what, what I'm saying is you me we've got work to do like my goal is you leave here and say I've got work to do now if you're married we, we do have work to do and we do work together, yes, but also I've got work to do. Yeah. I've got work to do. I need to work on me. I need to work on who I'm becoming. Who you are now and what you're becoming now matters way more than you think it does. I hear from people all the time, especially people that are young, every time I deal with them, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to do me now, I'm going to do my thing now, I'm going to get it out of my system, and then I'll get right later. You, you don't get anything out of your system by doing it. You just put it in your system. You, you don't build a future of purity on a foundation of impurity. You, you don't build a life of holiness on a foundation of brokenness. Who you're becoming right now matters a lot. It matters a lot. 
I Googled the question, what's the most important thing on a wedding day? Got a lot of answers. I've been a part of a lot of weddings. Weddings are cool. Weddings are fun. They're very celebratory and all of the above. And I Googled, hey, what, what's the most important part of the day? What's the most important part? Here's, here's some of the things I got. The dress. That's nice. That's sweet. The cake, come on, somebody. Maybe they need to get the uh, whatever that was. That was good. The cake, the cake, that's good. The food, the catering, that yeah, that's nice. That's real good. You know, treat your family and friends nice. Uh, like the company, like your friends, family, who's there, who's celebrating. In today's world, the photographer, right? It's like if you didn't document it, it didn't happen, right? One of those kind of things. And you know, none of those things are the most important. Do you want to know what the most important thing on your wedding day is? It's your past. You, you can't promise your way past preparation. You, 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 you can't live against the ways of God and impurity for year in, year out, year in, year out, and then think because you said a few lines with a preacher in your presence that your life is going to be different. We, we don't build a future of what we want on a foundation of something that we don't. Yeah. Love takes work. Got to work on me. I got to be committed to working on myself and working on love. And it's really important we get this because here's what we do. When it starts to feel like work, we want out. Like, oh, I love and things are good and things are good. But as soon as the dopamine levels drop, as soon as the emotion is gone, that's when it feels like work. That's when you got to roll your sleeves up. That's where you got to get honest. That's where you have to extend grace. That's where you have to be transparent. That's where you have to get hurt. That's where you have to extend forgiveness. That's, that's where it takes work. And most of us want to stay in it as long as it doesn't feel like work. And I'm telling you, if we're going to have God-honoring relationships, if we're going to have God-honoring marriages that last, it will take work. Don't believe the lie that it's, it's a fairy tale and it's, it's cruise control. And if you find the right one, everything is good and sail off into the sunset. And you can just do whatever and, and, and you're never going to have to roll up your sleeves and get to work. Love takes work. By the way, anything in this life worth having is worth working for. Anything that's desirable by anyone takes work to get there. And, and relationships, healthy marriages that honor God, it's no different. It takes work. Number three, the last lie about love. I want you to write this down. We learned lie. We, we learned the first two lies about love is love's just a feeling. Love doesn't take work. And number three is this. Here's another lie. I need to find the one. The one. They're the one. Are they the one? I love this so much right here. Everybody looking for the one. Especially all of us single people looking for the one. Are they the one? Is she the one? Is he the one? Everybody got to find the one. <laughs> I was talking to somebody before service a little bit about this. He was saying, hey, if, if, you're like, if you're like type A, if you're like the logical, just thinker kind of person in a room, stick your hand up. Let me see you. Let me see you. Let me see you. You're just a thinker, logical guy. Okay, for all you people, you do realize if everybody's got the one, all it takes is one person to mess up and we all done. <laughs> and all of us know some people, you're like, yeah, they didn't get the right one. <laughs> <laughs> You do realize, think this through logically, if everybody's got the one and one person's messed up, we're all done. 
this, this idea that we got to find the one, all, all month long I'm going to be attacking this myth. All month long I'm going to be tackling this lie. Because I think the thinking and the mindset is, is so flawed and it will lead us to destruction if we, if we believe this, that i got to find the one. Because if you believe you got to find the one and you believe you found the one, that's implying that life is going to be great and i got the one. So it is a fairy tale and it's not going to take work and it's all going to be emotions and it's not going to be a decision. And it's not going to take sacrifice because i got the one. Got the one, man. It's the one. So it's, we're never going to have tough times because it's the one. She's the one. He's, he's the one. If you're single, I want to get finding the one out of your head. And if you're married, I want to say this. They are the one. If you're married today, your spouse is the one. They're the one. He's it. She's it. They are the one. As soon as you said I do, they became the one. They became the one. Here's the thing. We need to, the idea of thinking about the one gets all the thinking on them and all the, thi- and all the work off us. Got to find the one. I got to find them. They've got to beat this. They, 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 all, it gets all the focus off on them and all of it off us. And here's my challenge to us today is, is to turn it back on us and focus on becoming the one that that one would want to be with becoming the one, becoming more like Christ. Because here's, here's the reality this morning, and again, here's part of the flawed thinking that comes with looking for the one, is, is it's this idea, if I find the one, I'll be good, and they'll complete me. When in reality, again, we can, we can look scripture and scripture out, nobody can complete you. Like, I love my wife Anna so much. She's dynamite. She is powerhouse. She's a leader of leaders. She is gifted. She is beautiful. She cannot complete me. As hard as I try, as much as I would want to, as much as I would sacrifice, I cannot and will not ever complete her. Can't do it. I found a list some psychologists put together. They were studying child development. They put together a list of things they said Every child needs from their parents to become an emotionally healthy adult. All right? So if a child gets all of these things from their parents, they'll grow up to be emotionally healthy. Okay, here's what the psychologist found. This is a great list. Respect, encouragement, comfort, security, approval, support, acceptance, appreciation, attention, affection. It's a good list, right? All these things, they said, if a child gets them from their parents... They'll grow up emotionally, emotionally healthy. Here's what I know about m- almost all of us in the room. We, we may have gotten like a few, like, you know, I, I don't know how many there are, nine or ten or so. So I'm sure all of us maybe had at least one or two, but none of us had all of them. Not because I know your stories, just because I know parents are human and imperfect. <laughs> and and life, is, life is tough. And so uh, I know that n- no one in this room most likely has all every single box checked from things that we desire, that feel like we, we feel like we need in, in our life. And here's, here's what we'll do if we're not careful, okay? Here's what we'll do. We'll need these things, and then we'll grow up, and because of situations, because of circumstances, we won't get all of our needs met. And so we go around asking people to fill a need that we haven't had met. This is how we start relationships. Hey, 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 
I, I really need some approval. Hey, hey, I need, I need, I need. And we just, can, can you give me, it's almost like this. Can you give me that? Like this, I'm look, looking for this. Can, some, can somebody? So we go around looking for this, looking for that. And here's the problem. Even if we get with somebody and we meet somebody and we're dating and we're engaged, even if we're married and we, we started out like this, here's the problem. People, people can maybe just pour a little bit into you. Maybe, maybe you got just, just a little bit, but, but if you're still living your life like that, if you're still living like this, then, then you're just walking around like, you know, hey, hey can, you, can you, can you, can you, can you? And no matter how much they're pouring in, it's just, this is why some of us can give somebody else our life. Everything, every second, every emotion, every dime, you can pour your life into somebody. But as long as they're like this, it's never enough. And we've seen this. Why, why, why are they like blank? I've given them everything. Here, here's why right here. Can, can you, can you, can you? Spill, spill. There's nothing wrong with that person. It's just the fact that somebody else can't complete you. They can't. It's really interesting as I began to think through this. It's not just... It's not just a psychology thing. I think it's a scripture thing. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, this verse isn't as much about drinking as much as it is what you're filling your life with. All right, all right so, so instead of needing to be filled by other people, Paul's saying, hey, no, no, fill yourself with the Spirit of God. Let, let God do that. Instead of living a life like this and going around like this and constantly needing and spilling and needing and spilling and needing and spilling, he says, no, 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 change, change the angle of your glass. Change the angle of your life that someone else is not gonna complete me. I'm not looking for the one where everything's gonna be perfect. No, no, I'm gonna get that stuff from God. I'm gonna get that from God. I'm, I'm gonna be filled with the Spirit. And here's what's really interesting. When you take the fruit of the Spirit and put it up against this list, here's, it's, it's, it's really similar. I'm, I'm asking Nick, come help me finish. You look at what people need and what psychologists and secular studies are saying, this is what we need and this is, here's, here's what we need. And then you look at the fruit of the Spirit and you're like, ah, that's, We can have what we need from him. We can have what we need from him. Don't, don't be so caught up in the one. Is he the one? Is she the one? I got it. She's going to complete me. She's going to, we're going to ride off and do something. No, 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 no. I'm going to get that from God. God completes me. God fulfills me. God satisfies the deepest longings of my soul. Look, and here's the beautiful thing. When, when you have your glass angled up and when God begins to pour into you, here's the thing. You can fill up. And not only can you fill up, but when you're full, you begin to overflow into the lives of the people around you, into your kids, and into your family, and into those around you. It's, it's not just filling you up, but there's an overflow. Why? Because it's coming from him, not from them. 
We got to get it from Him. We got to be filled with the Spirit. We got to work on us. We've got to get right with God. And can you see if you've got cup overflowing and cup overflowing and then they come together, can you see how beautiful that is? Man, it, it breaks my heart in culture and in today's world. We've got couples playing cup wars, needing this from each other and needing this from each other and trying to work it out and trying to find the next magic trick to the perfect marriage. And I'm saying, no, stop it. We got to go up. Got to get it from God. We've got to each do it on our own. Evaluate you. Look, I've never met someone with a marriage problem. I've only met people with single people problems they've taken into marriage. Am am I being filled up? Am I living in overflow? Is an idol in my life? It's picture perfect. Disney movie, dessert, you know. No, no, no. That's good. God wants that for you, but we got to get this. We got to live in overflow. We got to get it from him. And this is what I want for you. Hear me. I want this for you. I want this for our church. That's why we're talking about it. That's why I'm putting myself out there to say, I don't care if you don't want to be my friend. I want you to know God, and I want you to live in overflow. And so I really want this for you. In 10 years of being active in ministry, I have not seen anything come close to the number one thing that derails people from God's will is relationships. The number one thing. There is not a close second. I've had a front row seat to watching people derail their lives because they haven't got this right when it comes to relationships. And so we're talking about it because I don't want that for you. I want God's best for you. And I want you to live in a, in a marriage if you're married, in a future marriage if you're headed there, and right now in your singleness if you're there. I want you to live secure and satisfied and filled up by God. Nobody else can do that for you. Nobody else can do that for you. Amen. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you, your word speaks to every area of our life. And Lord, I ask for myself and I ask for our church today that we would not just be hearers of your word, but would we be doers of your word. Lord, I pray today and over the next several weeks as we leave this place, Lord, I pray that that your Holy Spirit would just prompt conversations prompt real, honest, transparent conversations in our homes, with our spouses, amongst our peers. God, we want to get this right. Lord, help us to realize it's a big deal. And we can't live out of your will in relationships and be in your will for everything else. No, this matters. So Lord, help us to do it. Help us to roll up our sleeves. Lord, for those that are in a marriage right now, where the feeling is not there, God, I pray that they would make a decision today to love, make a decision to serve. And Lord, I know as they do the action, God, Lord, the feelings, those things are gonna follow. But God, I pray you'd spark new life in marriages this month. God, I pray for God-honoring conversations amongst couples in our lives. Lord, it's what we want for us. It's what I want for this church and for these people. God, would you do it in our lives? Have your way. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, can you put your hands together for God's word this morning? Well, thanks again for tuning in to today's message. For more content like this, 
you can subscribe to our podcast channel. If it encourages you, we'd even ask that you review it and that you share it with friends. That would be so helpful to us. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.